welcome everyone to today's Mob Ties podcast. We have a special guest by the name of Frank Soriano with us today. Frank is a seasoned Toronto-based keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, and leadership development consultant. Frank is also the author of the book Beyond the Perimeter. This book is a helpful volume on effective leadership for organizations. It is also very useful in daily life when dealing with aging parents, children, partners, colleagues, and friends. It is for relationships, which are everything everywhere. Frank is the father of two grown children, a son and a daughter. We will talk with Frank today about parenting children who are involved in elite level sport. Welcome, Frank. Thank you, Donna. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, nice talking with you. Mm. So we're going to start, if you can just give uh, our listeners a sense of um, who's in your family, the makeup of your family, um, so, possibly the kids' ages, if they're living at home, etc. Okay. Uh, well, I've been very happily married for 27 years. I was very fortunate enough to uh, meet my wife. And um, we have two beautiful children, a son who's 24 and a daughter who's 22. Uh, given the current situation uh, with the pandemic, both my children happen to be at home at the present time, but my son did reside in London. He went to Western University there and he loved London so much that he actually purchased a property there, but is working remotely from home. So he's here uh, currently. My daughter just finished her fourth year at Dalhousie University, is going back for another uh, semester and she is in marine biology and uh, loves Halifax and has every intention of going back at some point. But as I said, given the circumstances, we're not sure where that will be. So lucky to have them both at home, happy to be watching movies and eating uh, a great deal of popcorn and enjoying the pleasure of their company, which otherwise might not happen. It's so true. Yeah, that's the situation for many people, I think. Um, Kind of happy to have their, their kids back home because uh, it would have been different otherwise. So it's uh, nice that you can experience that also. I totally understand your daughter's love for uh, Halifax. I lived there for a year myself and um, was at sort of that university age. So I got to mix a lot with Dalhousie students, but I was just on a working holiday. And, uh, yeah, absolutely loved it. A wonderful city, a great place. So I can understand her, her love for that. Yes. Um, so let's get into the, the kids and their sport. Can you tell me a little bit about how they became involved in sport? And by that, I mean, as opposed to, or maybe also with other hobbies and interests, um, sure. were they also into music, art, drama, things like that? Um, but yeah, maybe just the beginning stages of their involvement with sport. Okay. And, uh, I just wanted to clarify a point because we've talked about elite athletes and I just want your listeners to know that when I encourage my kids to get into sport, I wasn't really thinking that they were going to become elite athletes. It turns out that they were particularly good at what they did and I'm thankful for that. But my original intention and my wife's intention was to keep them physically active because we think that... Uh, I'll call it physical intelligence, is just as important as any other intelligence. And if you're healthy, uh, you tend to be happier. Um, and it was important for us that they be physically fit. So um, I can tell you that I grew up having a love of tennis. So when my son was seven years old, 
we took him to the local tennis club and he enrolled in the team tennis at the time. And he played that for a few years and the resident coach there um, approached us and said, I really think your son has some talent. I would like to coach him if you're interested in, uh, you know, having private lessons. And uh, of course I was, I thought that was a great opportunity. And so at 10 years old, he began his private uh, coaching and it went on from there. My daughter's story is a little bit different. My daughter is a competitive swimmer and um, she actually started relatively late. She actually started competitively swimming at 12 years old. And that's only because I had tried to also get her into tennis because I think there's a tendency to try to get your kids to do the same sport so they can play with each other. But I could see that she didn't have the same level of passion. And uh, we happened to be on a holiday with uh, some of her older cousins and they were swimming in the pool. I noticed that she was holding her own and I asked her if she wanted to swim competitively and she said she would be very interested in that. And then her swimming career took off after that. We took her to a swim club and the coach uh, watched her swim and said, lucky you, bring her, bring her five days a week and four mornings and, uh, you know, uh, happy to have her. And that's how they started. But to your, I think, very important point, throughout their uh, elementary and high school years, they were both actively involved in other things because I think it's important to be well-rounded as an individual. My son played chess. He was active on the basketball team, the volleyball team. He also played the guitar and he was taking music lessons. My daughter was also taking music lessons and played the flute. She became part of the band. She played volleyball and basketball as well, I think in order to emulate her brother. And uh, they did that as long as they could. But as you probably know, a coach at one point, when you start to get into very competitive um, areas of any sport, they want you to specialize. So uh, I think late high school, uh, for both my kids, they began to focus strictly on the swimming for my daughter and strictly on the tennis for my son. And uh, they went on from there. Yeah. And so I know um, it seems a lot of kids um, get into sport and, and potentially there's some genetics to it as well as to how good they are. And so um, I know you said you'd played some tennis, you know, fairly decent level. And I think you'd mentioned to me your wife was also involved in sort of some swimming and, yes. and lifeguarding. And so do you think um, that had any role to play in the selection of sports that they ended up doing? Well, uh, they were exposed to different sports. Uh, for example, we took winter, winter vacations and they're both very good skiers. They could have started to ski competitively, I suppose, or they could have told me they wanted to focus on that. I mean, I just shared with them, uh, and my wife did as well, uh, what we love to do. Uh, we didn't demand that they do what we love to do, uh, but we were very cognizant of exposing them to many different types uh, of opportunities. And they just happened to land on a couple of things that um, we also did when we were younger. But, um, uh, I think that uh, if, if you don't see a passion in the athlete's eyes for the respective sport, regardless of what sport they're in, then they're probably not in the right sport. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so you mentioned that they sort of began to specialize, take on with their one sport in, in high school. Was that um, a family discussion that was had? Because I, I know, as you mentioned, when you begin to specialize in a sport, the commitment is is huge. So yes. there really becomes um, very little time for anything else, potentially some academics and you need to, you know, you still want to attend and pass all your, your levels and grades of high school. Um, but really there is only time for that, that one sport. So making that decision, um, was that a big discussion or was it a pretty easy one to make? It seemed uh, fairly clear to us. I mean, the kids uh, were on board with that. They, they both loved their respective sports. They were more than happy to spend uh, time uh, training and practicing. As my daughter pointed out, she considered her swim club her second family. So she was more than thrilled to see her, uh, her fellow team members uh, every day and most mornings. My son, um, he, he started earlier, as I said, with his coach. And coaches are also concerned about the athlete, the athlete being injured if they're trying other things. So they want them to focus on their respective sport. I know my daughter's coach in particular said, you got to give up the basketball and volleyball and anything else you're doing because you can't afford to be hurt, uh, you know, when you're swimming or taking time off and so on and so forth. It wasn't really a family discussion per, per se. It just seemed to be self-evident that this is where they should be spending their time. And they were more than willing to spend their time doing that. Yeah. And what about... Um, you obviously, as, as parents, you still need to get them places, drive them places, especially if they don't have their license yet. Yes. Um, how were you able to balance supporting them both, you know, because they are both fairly big commitments. Um, they potentially become all year round at this point. So um, with both your wife and yourself, was it easy to, to balance the support? Did you feel like you were able to um, watch their, uh, you know, swim meets and their tennis matches equally. How did you balance all that? Yeah, that's a, that's a very significant point, Don, I think, because uh, I was very fortunate. I, I worked for a government organization for uh, 30 years, and I was able to um, pick my hours of work to some extent. And so I would be at work at 6.30, but that meant that I could drive my daughter to swimming in the morning at uh, 5 or 5.30, and my wife would then pick her up, and then she would go to school, and then I would get home early enough to pick up my son from school and drive him to tennis, and I would uh, I would stay there and watch him train, and um, if I wasn't able to drive my daughter, my wife would then drive my daughter to swimming, I would then take my son home and then go and pick up my daughter. So. It was a tremendous time commitment, but I will tell you, I think those were some of the best years of my life. I loved it. I love being in their company. It allowed for spontaneous conversation at times, uh, in spite of the fact that they, of course, had cell phones and, you know, they were communicating with their friends most of the time. But it did provide a forum for us to have a chat that, once again, might otherwise not have happened. Right? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Those times in the car. And uh, I know, you know, the commute can sometimes be quite far uh, around you know, the greater Toronto area. So I can understand you get plenty of time to be be in that vehicle. So, yeah, it is a great, 
time to catch up. Um, but it does require, you know, it does require you and your wife too to give up potentially some of your things that you may want to do, uh, which is just one thing about parenting. Yeah, and I and I would also say it does upset your lifestyle to some extent because we weren't having dinner till seven thirty or eight o'clock, which, by Italian standards, is okay. But uh, <laughs> but it, it it does upset the apple cart a little bit. You have to make adjustments. And to your point, it is a tremendous time commitment. And uh, we may get to this later, but I would say to any parent that if you're not willing to commit the time, and in some cases parents are unable to commit to the the time because of their job restrictions and so on and so forth, that can become a problem. Uh, I remember occasionally there was a parent who, you know, wasn't able to uh, bring their, their their child home and I was more than happy to drive them home if I could do that. And, and I think parents help parents when they see their kids doing something they love. Yes, and that's to your daughter's point that it becomes a second family, right? Like you do so much together, spend so much time together that uh, you get to know each other very well. And you also understand the commitment level and the obligations. So if you can help each other out, that that's very true. It certainly becomes the adult social circle as well, right? Like that's who you tend to socialize with. Yes, and I have to say that the added bonus there is I've met some of the nicest people through my son and daughter. I mean, through either the tennis or the swimming. We've become very good friends, actually, with uh, some people that we otherwise, once again, would not have met. And it was because our children were involved in tennis and we got a chance to, you know, judge the competitions and spend time together. And at tennis tournaments, you obviously watch your, you know, your, your son or daughter compete. And so you're spending a lot of time with other people and you get to know people quite well and yeah. some people of course you don't want to spend any time with but we'll talk about that <laughs> yeah and sometimes that's unavoidable <laughs> yes. but um okay let's move on to relationships with coaches so yeah. coaches become a very prominent figure in your kids lives yes. and um you know i know through my experiences there are some amazing ones and in their beginning stages of sport, it's a lot of uh, people volunteering their time. So mm -hmm. there's that side of it. But once they start to compete and specialize, you get more formal coaching. Um, you know, what What did you experience when it came to your kids' coaches and sort of the relationship between your child and the coach, but also you as their parent and the coach? Yes. Um, I have... Well, I think there's two significant points that I'll mention at the outset. The first thing is that the coach clearly should have the best interest of the child at heart and child slash athlete, because sometimes you tend to specialize at a very early age. Uh, for example, my son had a coach, as I mentioned, at 10 years old. And although uh, we had a very close relationship in the sense that I wanted to know of course, uh, what he was working on, what he was training in, what we were trying to improve upon, so on and so forth. And so I think that you also develop a relatively close relationship with, with the coach, but you let, have to let the coach do the coaching because it's sometimes difficult as a parent when you're sitting on the sideline watching your kid training, uh, you may want to offer some feedback that may be uh, ill-advised. And I, and I know that some parents are very adamant about providing their own coaching, so to speak. So I would shy away from that. I think the coach should do the coaching and they need to have the best interest of the athlete at heart. 
The other thing, which sounds rather Machiavellian, is that uh, you need to fire the coach when the fire when the coach needs to be fired. I think at some point, a coach and a player reach a plateau, and if there is no further development or the relationship is not uh, going well, I think it's time to change coaches. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I and I think that a good that a good coach will fire themselves when they realize that things are not getting better. Right. Yes, for sure. And did your kids ever come home and sort of say, oh, I just, I don't get along with them or I don't agree with what they're saying? Was there any of those conflicts? Uh, not with a coach per se, but it's, uh, my, my daughter was also taking some private swim lessons with a uh, swim club um, at one point. And this particular coach was one of these uh, fire and brimstone guys who would yell and swear. Mm-hmm. My daughter got out of the pool and uh, changed and walked over to my wife and said, I'm not coming back here anymore. This is not the way I learn. And she was relatively young. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. The other incident that I had is that um, my son's coach, they've been together quite a long time. In fact, they're still very good friends. And my son is still involved in tennis and in in a way, and they see each other very regularly. Uh, But they realized that the coaching relationship had sort of maxed out. And, um, you know, they decided to go their separate ways at one point. So that was a mutually beneficial decision, I think. Yes, and still they remain friends or, you know, mentor-mentee relationship or whatever, which is nice. Yeah, they remain very close. In fact, my son helps this particular coach with some of the... uh, young trainees that he has. I, I I didn't mention that my son went on to play tennis in university and varsity tennis and uh, and actually coached tennis in Toronto at one point. And he, he remained uh, very close with this particular coach and, and, and he still helps this coach with some of the young players that he has. Yeah, and um, with, you know, with sport and competitive sport, um, I think a big learning for the athletes is obviously the winning and the losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tell me a little bit about maybe either the personalities of your kids, whether um, that was difficult for them to get through or whether they just had sort of amicable personalities that were able to deal with winning and losing, especially knowing how much, you know, they put into their training and sure. then after you know, they do a a swim and it's not their personal best or they really needed to get a personal best for something as it's, you know, the same with tennis, winning the match versus losing. How did you find that competitiveness with your kids? Well, I have to say my son is very intense. And so he, uh, I have to say, uh, did not like to lose but understood that at some point someone's going to lose but this is one of the benefits of doing these types of things with your children everyone has to learn how to uh, gracefully accept defeat and you know my my bottom line to them was did you do your best and if you did your best and on that particular day it didn't work to your advantage uh, that's going to happen but my son certainly was far more intense than my daughter now my daughter never got upset if she lost in a competition, but I will tell you, and you probably know this as well, that she got she got disqualified by a judge one time because of her dive, and and she's very technically competent, and so she was very upset about that. She felt that she had been misjudged, and uh, 
we had to have a little chat about that because that too is going to happen. You know, you're going to be misjudged in life. People are going to make assumptions or they're going to pass, you know, a, a pass or fail grade and, and, and they're not always right. And I think you have to roll with that on occasion as well. Yes, that's so true. It's about um, fairness and learning that life is can be unfair and it's actually out of your control, you know, that happens quite a lot in sport. There's a decision made that may have even been incorrect. Now we have all this wonderful replay. <laughs> we, we actually get to see now sometimes that uh, it might have been the wrong call. But it's a human mistake and uh, that things will happen to athletes, um, which is totally out of their control. So I think that's a big learning for the kids. And sometimes... Uh, they are even too young to understand that. It's almost at a certain age where you start to understand, oh, my God, that's what life will be like. There will be unfair moments. And speaking of age, uh, wow. feedback is not always well received at any age, as we well know. Yes. Right? And so yes. sometimes my son did make me laugh one time. Uh, his conduct on the court was, uh, I'll call it unsportsmanlike. And so I gave him some feedback, but I had told him, couple of weeks prior to that, that sometimes you need to be told something 22 times before you break a habit. And so when he came off the court and I told him that wasn't very good behavior, how many more times do I have to tell you that? He says to me, 21. Oh. So, <laughs> really, he was listening to me. and you know, I had to, That's a good story. That caught me off guard, but um, feedback is very hard. At the best of times, whether you're giving it to your children, your your partner, uh, your colleagues, your staff, whatever. It has to be timely and it has to be well-positioned and it has to have a value. And sometimes people just don't see the value in the moment, right? Yes. So I think we sort of touched on a little bit where I was leading to next, which was about, you know, all these learnings and benefits that are gained through sport. Um where are they, where are your kids now as they are moved into adulthood? Um, you know, what role do does their former sport play in their life now? And what were some of the benefits that you believe they gained through uh, being athletes? Well, my son uh, is, as I said, currently still actively involved in tennis and actually interacts with uh, his former coach and does a little bit of coaching. Still, still. Um, he at one point also coached the varsity team uh, at Western uh, when he was living in London. Uh, and I expect that he will stay involved um, in some manner or form with tennis. My daughter, uh, when she went to Dalhousie, she did try out for the varsity team, but did not make the team that year. And she was suffering with some shoulder inju in injuries, which still play plague her, actually. We're still looking into it. Uh, but she did coach uh, an outside swimming team at that point. And she is currently working as a swim instructor and kids love her. And I think that she'll, when the opportunity presents itself, uh, try to be involved in swimming at a much you know different level than she previously was. But in terms of the benefits, and I think you and I spoke about this briefly, the research certainly bears this out in terms of their time management skills. I can't think of a better way to learn about managing your time. I mean, they knew that they had, uh, once they committed to a specific sport, only a certain amount of time to do their homework. 
And there wasn't a lot of wasted time. My daughter would come home, have something light to eat, do a little bit of homework, go and swim, come back, do her homework, um, as opposed to uh, sitting down and, and watching TV. And my son was was always very much um, out and about playing tennis, so he was on the road a good deal of the time. The other great thing about both sports and sports in general is both my kids traveled because of their sport. My daughter actually traveled with her team to places like Venezuela and Florida to train during March break. And the benefits of that, of course, is you feel very comfortable traveling. You feel comfortable traveling with other people, going to other countries, knowing the process. And that was a tremendous benefit. My son has traveled extensively since then, but he went to San Remo, Italy with his coach uh, to train there one year, which my wife thought was uh, a little on the young side. But he certainly didn't have any qualms about it because the minute he walked through security, he didn't even look back to wave goodbye. So I think he had a pretty good time. <laughs> and did he speak Italian at all? Uh, at the time, he wasn't as fluent, but he went back uh, in university many years later and took a course in Siena and uh, actually went to visit my wife's relatives who live in northern Italy and uh, spoke Italian and uh, really enjoyed that visit. And so that was an added benefit as well. Yeah, for sure. And what about... If uh, you were reflecting back on your own parenting skills and parenting personality type when it came to supporting your kids, um, is there anything you sort of think, oh, I wish I had have done that differently or if I was to do it all over again, I would have changed something when it comes to the parenting style? I, you know, again, I think that Every opportunity you can provide to your child uh, during this time um, when they're training for a competition is always a good thing. So there are a certain number of competitive events. Did we go to as many as we potentially could have? I'm not sure that we did. I know that we went to a lot. Uh, so if I had to focus on any one area, I would say that uh, certainly I would have taken them to many more competitions uh, if possible. But this is my own personal feeling. Uh, one of the things that I didn't enjoy is that um, this came to mind, particularly in swimming. I mean, the coach expected them to train on Christmas Eve that, that you know, because it was a scheduled evening when they trained. I think that there are some things that are more important in sport and I take a much more holistic view of life in general. And so, when there were family events, such as uh, religious ceremonies or um, Christmas holidays in particular, I didn't always encourage my kids to attend the competitions and or the training. Now, some people will say, well, I would have taken them to the training. I guess you could argue that. You know, that's not what I did. Is it a fault? I don't know. I guess my kids will will judge me in years to come. But, uh, yeah. No, you know, I... I I agree with you. There's some moments in time uh, that are about family and that trumps anything else. So I, I totally agree with you with what your decision was. Um, but yeah, do you, um, do the kids talk now about um, they feel comfortable, they're happy with where, what they achieved with their sport? Did they accomplish what they wanted? Do they wish it had gone differently? 
I think my daughter, unfortunately, because of her shoulder industry, I, in, injury, sorry, I think she would have continued to swim uh, at the varsity level if she could have. Uh, it's interesting because my son did not make the varsity team in his first year. He tried again in second year and then took off from there. But I think he was very happy uh, with the outcome. He eventually became captain of the varsity team. And I think he learned a lot from that leadership role. And he embraced that. And he had a very good relationship with the coach at the time. And as I said to you, he eventually became one of the coaches of the varsity team after, after um, he finished his, uh, his degree. And I think, I think if you ask them, they would both say it was a very positive experience. I don't think they have anything negative to say about that. I mean, as I've mentioned to you, you have to love what you're doing if you're going to get up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning to go and swim or uh, train seven days a week and, you know, in 90 degree weather and all this sort of thing, right? If, yeah. if the passage is there, they're more than willing to do it. And I certainly don't think they regretted it because we never forced them. And when they told us that it was time to uh, move on, that was okay too. You know, I think they, they gained a lot from that experience. Yeah, so it sounds like it was a very healthy arrangement all around, which is nice to hear. Yeah. So, you know, if uh, you met a parent on your street that uh, had a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old about to sort of specialize in one area and begin to compete and commit, um, what would be a few things, uh, words of advice that you would give them having gone through it yourself? Well, the first one, as I mentioned earlier, was make sure your, uh, your son or daughter is in the right sport. I mean, just because you put them in a sport doesn't necessarily mean that it is the right sport for them. If you don't see the passion, if you see resistance to training, if you you know, if they phone in sick kind of thing, then I think you need to look at that. Um, because as I said to you, I thought I'd get my daughter into tennis, but it was clear to me that that wasn't what she was passionate about. And when she got into the swimming, which she was passionate about, she simply took off. And that was a, that was a beautiful thing to see. And she would tell you that, uh, again, because she had her second family there, she's met some wonderful young women who she's still uh, very close with and they stay in touch and uh, it's kind of nice when you can make friends at that age and still stay in touch uh, into your adult years right yes the second thing i would say is that uh, be present uh, i made it a point to attend all my son's training programs um, whenever he was training even just to as i said periodically provide feedback but to let them know that i was interested in their development uh, and again, you have to make a choice. As I mentioned to you, my wife would would either pick them up, but I'm the one who did the bulk of the driving, which which was fine. But I think it was important for me to be there. It was important for me, and I think it was important for my children. Uh, I also was present when my daughter did her training, but at one point my daughter said, Dad, you don't need to be there. We're just training. And so she made it very clear to me. So I'd bring the book, and I would just wait until I could drive her home because I can take a hint, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other thing is, I also told my children, um, and I think it's depending on your philosophy as a parent, um, there's a lot more to life than just one specific lane. So you may be a superstar athlete, but don't neglect your learning 
which for some people is formal education, but learning in general, whether it's through traveling or interacting with other people. Uh, I think it's important to be a well-rounded individual. So don't think that um, just because you're an outstanding athlete that it makes you any better than anyone else. You have a gift, you know, share your gift if you can, you know, but um, be compassionate toward others who may not have that gift, but have other redeeming qualities. And they may also be remarkable individuals in other ways. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is don't be pompous is my bottom line. Yeah, so true. So I think uh, those are some great pieces of advice. It's always, I think it's so nice. I, I wish I had have almost done it myself that you talk to people who have been through situations that you're about to enter and just to get that heads up or to just have some things to think about. It doesn't mean you have to take every piece of advice and act on it, but it's just nice to get other people's perceptions and, um, you know, uh, follow through on things that will potentially work for you. So mm -hmm. I think those are some great pieces of advice. It's certainly not easy being a, a parent um, of an athlete, um, you know, a competitive athlete, because your heart breaks for them when they don't get to, you know, achieve what uh, they set out to do. Or as you said, it could be due to an injury. It could be due to ability that's misguided. Um, there are many things that can happen with athletes, but I, I do know our heart goes out every time we go to watch them perform and uh, keep our fingers crossed that, uh, like you said, they at least perform to the best of their ability. So yeah. it uh, can be a bit of a, a tough road for, for parents. Um, well, I, I think the other thing is that uh, through the competition, they learn not only resilience, but uh, perseverance. And you didn't succeed this time, you may succeed next time. And I'm very fond of an African proverb that says it takes an entire village to raise a child. I mean, uh, you know, again, uh, we, we were, my children were influenced not only by me and my wife, but by other parents that they met, other kids that they met, uh, people they became good friends with. And so you learn from other people as well. And I think that that's important, that exposure. Uh, I don't think you can put a dollar value on it. You know, and uh, sometimes you're not even aware of what you've learned until many years after the fact. Yes, that's true. Do you end up, um, when you wrote your book, Beyond the Perimeter, um, did you refer to any situations or stories that were to do with sport? Well, and my children in particular, actually, there's a few stories in there about my kids because I was trying to highlight a principal and uh, I use my children uh, as an example um, because it extends into our lives as well. I mean, I wrote the book uh, as part of an organizational, um, how shall I put it, part of an organizational thrust, but I extrapolated from my own personal life because I wanted people to, to use it in their day-to-day -day existence as well. And one of the things that my daughter and son learned is uh, to be assertive, uh, not to let other people um, abuse you in any way. And I guess what that means is, I'm sure you may have experienced this, is sometimes when you're having a meeting in an organization, people just think that even though the meeting was supposed to end at 3.30, they just carry on as if your time isn't worth anything. 
well, my time is just as important as your time. And if you're infringing on my time, you need to be able to stand up for yourself and say, you know, the meeting is over. If you want to reschedule, then I'll make myself available. But I don't think people should take things like that for granted. And the same is true of coaches. You know, if a coach says he's going to train you from seven to nine, it should be from seven to nine. It shouldn't be from seven to nine twenty or whenever he feels like finishing the lesson. Yes. And I've seen that many times for sure. It's yeah. once again, you know, there's the time for sport and then there's a time for pl uh, family, a time for education responsibilities, uh, home life. So many things that we're trying to squeeze into one day that um, I totally agree with you. It does it does happen a lot. So the kids learn to, you know, even how to confer well with an adult and, and a mentor and, um, you know, a, sort of a, a figure, an authority figure, learning mm -hmm. how to have a effective conversation with them. So, yeah, I mean, I you know, we could go on and on. There are just so many benefits to being involved in sport for sure. But I think you've really touched on um, the main ones today, ones that will resonate well with, with other parents. So I look forward to um, people listening to this conversation and I believe they will have a lot of great strategies and things to uh, take away and try and implement themselves. So... I think that wraps it up, Frank, unless there's anything else um, you wanted to end with. Uh, just one last thought. Uh, there is a financial commitment that we didn't talk about. And I mean, that's maybe apparent to everyone. But whether you're, uh, whatever sport it is that you're playing, um, it's amazing how much things cost in terms of equipment and court time and so on and so forth. So you have to be prepared to make a financial commitment as well as everything else. I think. Yes. So finances and time, both yes. very, very crucial. Yes. Well, thanks, Frank, very much for having that conversation with us today and uh, for us to learn a little bit about your experience and your family. It's been very valuable. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you found it helpful. For more real stories on this topic and others, visit our website, mobties.com. If you believe this podcast would be enjoyed by others, please share it. If you're listening on Spotify or SoundCloud, follow our channel to make sure you don't miss out on any future podcasts.